0: Glad to see you guys. Today we will be continuing our Experiencing God series while Brian talks about God's will for us, the church. So here's Divy with the message. Didn't they do a good job on that video? That was really cool. Brandon and Bryce knocked it out of the park. They did a really good job. So a muscle builder was one day visiting a tribe in Africa, and the tribal leader was just amazed at his physique. So he asked him, he asked the muscle builder, what do you do with all these muscles? The muscle builder said, it's probably easier to show you, show you than to explain. So the bodybuilder went into his presentation. He was flexing away. He was doing his stuff much like the Hans and Fita of Jesus that we've seen around here. And they're showing everything. They're showing us obliques. I don't even know what I'm saying. Is that a muscle? Obliques and calf muscles and back muscles and triceps and biceps and all this stuff. And he's just going to town. He's moving around. So he went on showing him the different poses. The tribal chief said after the presentation, wow, that is impressive. He said, let me ask you a second question. What else do you do with those muscles? The bodybuilder said, well, that's pretty much it. I work out and I pose. The African chief said, "Uh, what a waste. What a waste. TBA, I hope we didn't come here just to pose and to flex. I hope we are willing to use what God has given us. Because we can look like believers, yet we're just posing. Because you can carry your Bible to church, or now it's not cool to, so you don't. Or, or you can you know, get your worship on, and you can get up and down, and you can get your, your, good, your best sing on. Church can keep you really busy, right? We can work out at church. But what else do you use it for? Guys, we are the body of Christ. And I know he's got more for this body than just posing and flexing. Listen, Acts didn't end. The book in Acts... It didn't end. The story is still being written in you and me. You are a chapter in the modern day book of Acts. Listen, the day of Pentecost continued. It didn't stop at Jerusalem. It's still for the ends of the earth. We're going to depopulate hell and populate heaven. You see, when you were saved, you were transformed out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his son, you are given sonship. We sing the song, I'm no longer a slave. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I'm a child of God. You are transferred out of darkness, a legal son or daughter, based on the cross alone and his resurrection. And under the head of that kingdom you've been transferred into is Jesus. He is the head of the body. He is the head of the church. See, so often our lives and our church are out of whack. Because we're choosing to live around the head, right? Or above the head instead of under the head. You know what I mean? When we have a proper relationship with the head, who is Jesus, the head of the church, then we use his authority. You see, Jesus gave authority to his church. It says in Matthew 16, 18 through 19, it says, I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not overcome it. Verse 19, I will give you the keys, the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. God, so much wickedness that rules and reigns. The world needs the church to be the kingdom. It needs to see the Father manifested through us. Jesus gave his church authority. He gave us the keys. I hope we're not here just to do a bunch of posing in the body of Christ, but to be his body. So in this scripture, Jesus is in Caesarea Philippi, and he's on this big mountain, a pagan mountain where Jews would never go with his disciples. And he's looking at Peter and his disciples. He's saying, Peter, you're going to be my man you're going to take a key and you're going to unlock it at Pentecost and Holy Spirit's going to come. But I can't build my program on just a man, Peter. It's going to be on what verse 18 calls the ecclesia or the church. And the way you'll know it's my church is the gates of hell will not prevail against it. In other words, if heaven is winning, that's my church. But if hell's winning, something's wrong. You're using the keys wrong you'll know the church is mine when hell is losing and heaven is winning. So if hell is winning and heaven is losing, the church isn't properly using the keys together. We're not letting the head of the body be in control because when he's in control, the church will be winning. He says, I will build my church. Are we letting him build his church here at TV8? Are you personally letting him build you into the person he wants you to be? Are we living under the head or over the head? The word ecclesia or the word church was a word used for the assembly of people who passed legislation. That's what the church meant, like a Congress. We are God's spiritual legislature from heaven enacting what he wants on earth. You guys have seen an embassy. How many of you have visited an embassy? You've been somewhere else and you went to like an American embassy let me ask you a question. When you go to a foreign country, you go to Russia, and as an American citizen, everywhere else, you have to abide by Russia's laws, right? But if you go where the, assembly, where the embassy is, whose laws do you obey? America's. See, it's sort of like that. That's what the church is. It's like we're ambassadors. We're in a different country. That's what the kingdom is like. We're ambassadors in a foreign land taking the legislation of heaven to that place. We are under a different government, the kingdom of heaven. Jesus is like, I'm going to build my church and on earth, and it will operate in concert with what's happening in heaven. It will bind and loose with my authority the things of heaven. And Jesus said the gates of hell will not prevail. Gates were a place in the ancient world where judgment was enacted, where laws were made. It's where things happened that were important. So what Jesus is saying is that there are those gates in this world that is the governmental agency of the devil that rules this world. Because what does First John say? He says the whole world is under whose control, the devil. And then there's my church, Jesus says, which is the governmental agency of Jesus. And church, when you seek my will and you make things happen on earth, the government of Satan cannot oppose you you go unopposed to Satan's government agency. Listen, when the church is firing on all cylinders, the legislature of the devil will not overrule what we are trying to do because it's being done through Christ, the head of the church, the head of the body. Notice he says this, the kings to the kingdom of what? Heaven. Heaven. It's not of this world. See, Oftentimes what happens is life bends us down and we look for an earthly solution to life's problems. God will use earthly solutions, but it comes from heaven first. We operate in this world from that world. We have kingdom solutions for here on earth. Isaiah twenty-two, twenty-two says, I will give you a key and you will be able to open doors. No man can close and close doors. No man can open. What do keys mean? Authority. I'm going to give you authority, the right to represent me on earth, just like I represented my father when I was on earth. Have you ever been in a hurry and you forget your keys? I do this all the time. If I don't put it in a certain place, I will forget those keys. Please tell me somebody else has forgotten your keys. If I don't have those keys, I don't have access to my house, my office, my car, wherever it is. But you know, I don't give my car keys to Ellie and Jason. If you know my son and daughter, I can picture them going down 548, seven and nine years old, booking it down. Ellie's doing the jams on the tunes over here and Jason's driving. It's probably not gonna go very well, right? You see, they might have a house key, but their maturity must match the assignment. You don't give keys to people you don't trust. You may love them, but you may not trust them to do what you need. It's the same with the Lord. He wants to give us the keys. We have the keys, but certain keys we don't use because we must. our maturity must match the assignment. You don't give people keys to people you don't trust. We give them to people who will use them properly in line with what you want, right, or what God wants. TBA, are we trustworthy? Okay, so we've got keys. We have the keys to the kingdom. Binding and loosing occurs. Who's doing the binding in the passage? It's us together. It's the church. He says, when you do it down here, it's done up in heaven. What does that mean? It means heaven has your full backing. We have heaven's full backing when we're seeking his will and God says, that's what I want you to do. He puts a royal stamp on it. It's the legislation that's being passed and Jesus says, I will stamp that. I will prove that. I have the royal stamp. You see, bind means to restrict or restrained and loose is to permit or free up he says heaven will back you up he stamps the legislation when it's according to his will you see jesus did this jesus taught us to bind the strong man then we can plunder his house mark 3:27 who's the strong man he's talking about it's satan we bind satan and we take back what the devil has stolen in luke 13:12 it gives an example Of somebody who Jesus healed, he loosed a captive. Same Greek word that Jesus is using in chapter 16. When Jesus saw her, he called her to himself and said to her, woman, you are loosed, there's our word, from your own infirmity. Jesus was legislating the kingdom of heaven on earth and the father approved it and gave his royal stamp. So the keys are for binding Satan's activity and loosing God's kingdom. I love the quote that Henry Blackaby says in created to be God's friend. He says, the kingdom of heaven does not mean to go to heaven when you die. It will include this, but it means to enter in the fullest experience of God's rule and reign in one's life and world. As we go further in Matthew three chapters over, you see in Matthew 18, we get a little more insight into how this functions in the church. He goes into what we've already heard. I tell you the truth, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loose in heaven. The context of this verse is a church problem. So it's not just for out there, it's for in here. Now, listen to verse 19. It's gonna reveal how we bind and loose. This is what I want you to hear. It's gonna say what Jesus just said in a different way. Verse 19, again, again, I tell you, That if two of you on earth agree about anything you ask for, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. In verse twenty, he goes on and says, "For where two or three come together in my name, there I am with them." You see, what I want you to hear in this is that binding and loosing is done through asking. Verse nineteen reveals how, and asking and prayer are synonymous in the New Testament. God is saying, "When my people pray." When my people together seek my agenda, my timing, when they seek what I'm asking for the church to do. See, we can only use the keys as we seek God's agenda together. We can only use the keys as we seek God's agenda together. Let me ask you this. We talk about embassies and ambassadors, right? Does an ambassador say whatever they want in Russia? An American ambassador It's like, you know what, we have all these beach days in America. So you know what, Russia, I want you guys to start passing laws to have beach days. No, they get fired from their job. What an ambassador does is they hear from here to speak out there. And that's what the church is supposed to do. We're supposed to hear from the Father and then go and speak it and tell others about it. That's what God has called us to Henry Blackaby said this week in our our study, he said, a church comes to understand God's will when the whole body hears what Christ is, who is the head, is telling it. We need to know what God wants and when he wants us to act. Church, we have power and authority, but having the keys, how many of you know this? Having the keys and using the keys are two totally different things. The problem is we have the keys but we often deauthorize ourselves from using them. It's like a hotel. You know, you get the little card key at a hotel and you're using it all day and you're going and you're going. And after dinner, your tummy's full. You're going back up to your place and you put the key in and instead of a beautiful clicking sound with a green light, a little red light goes da, 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 da. And you're like, wait a second, what happened? And you go down and you know the hotel gives you another key or that kind of thing. See, it's the same way with The church. So often we're not seeking God's agenda. When we try to use the key, it's deauthorized. See, Jesus, he's he's using an example about keys, but he's talking about the power behind the keys. And so often what happens in the church is we seek our own agenda and we don't have power because God's like, that's not of me. So I'm not gonna do that. Are you deauthorized? Are we a church that has power? Are we a church that that's doing the things that God wants us to do. So often, because of our lack of maturity, the key has no power. The maturity doesn't match the assignment. Henry Blackaby goes on, and this is from a book called Spiritual Leadership, and I'm I'm gonna give you part of the quote and read the rest of it. But he says, this is the reason. He says, the greatest obstacle to effective spiritual leadership is when people, pastors, and congregation pursue their own agendas rather than seeking God's will. And he goes on to say this, the key is for pastors with the church to understand God's will for them as a church. Then pastors and spiritual leaders move people away from their own agendas and on to God's. You see, we often seek our own agendas because of one reason, pride. It's pride. Pride causes problems in the body of Christ." Nothing demagnetizes the key like pride. When we seek our own agendas, when the disciples were arguing over who is the greatest of the kingdom, Jesus said, I tell you the truth. Unless you change and become like little children, you'll never enter, operate in the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself, key word, humble, like this child, is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. You see, we receive the key like a child. And we use the keys with the attitude of a child. Humility. We will never lose kingdom solutions on earth and on earthly problems as long as we don't use the keys right. The right attitude is a childlike humility. In the book of James it says God opposes the proud but he gives grace to the humble. You see grace, what did it say about Jesus when he came? He was full of what? Grace and truth. Grace, reality, The world needs to see the church full of grace, but pride kills God's plans. You see, the devil's role is to conquer the church through disunity, pride, and misunderstandings. He wants to get, remember, we're the ambassadors. He wants to get the ambassadors fighting over the methods and trying to live over the head or around the head. But Jesus unites his church through forgiveness, love, and unity, and together, we bind and loose and take back what the devil has stolen. So we need to ask for God's agenda together with humility, not allowing ourselves to be conquered by the devil, but submitting to the head and to each other. Remember what the scriptures say? Submit to one another out of what? Reverence for God. Do we really want to worship more than a song? Submit to one another out of reverence for God. So what does it look like to seek God's agenda together. And if you call TBA Church home, if you're TBA family, please listen to this. Listen to this, because I'm getting excited about what the future holds that God could do here. What does it look like to seek God's agenda together? Because right now there's a gulf between us all. We need prayer, and we need a platform. We need to pray together for God's agenda, not our own, and we need a platform for us as leaders and congregation to pray, hear, and sense God together. I'm excited about the future. We have something you'll hear more about called like team meetings or family meetings where we'll have a platform together to seek and share God's leading and his will for our church, a place a public sharing to ask God, what is your agenda for this church? To ask and think about and process what have we observed God doing in our week in our church in our jobs I feel like this is the synergy our church needs to fulfill the vision God's given us to be the hands feet and voice of Jesus it could look like this a place that you ask God to reveal his agenda to you for your workplace in your church neighborhood and watch throughout the week and see what God does in those places then we come back together and we report back to a team, to our, everyone together. And we pray together to see if God is leading our church to respond to any needs reported by those shared. And I'm gonna say this, this is a big, big sentence, but please listen, if you are TVA church family, the vision that is unique to this church will be birthed out of God's activity in and around the lives of the church family God has sovereignly placed here. For example, we have someone in our midst today who through experiencing God is called to missions in Asia. How is our church gonna say, I'm all in? We're all in for this person. We're gonna be their main primary support. Another person is still called to reach and minister to people with addictions with Celebrate Recovery in Highland City and beyond. It's amazing stuff God's doing. Others have said, I've been all about work, but now I'm all gonna be all in about Jesus. God is doing some cool things, but how do we hear these stories? How do we come together and seek together what God wants us to do? Those are just a few of the stories. But we need to be praying and supporting them and all in. This will take extreme humility to be together and hang our opinions and preferences at the door. We can't take up the keys in our hands when our hands are full of our agendas and preferences. Henry Blackaby talks about deep prayer. My mom coined this phrase, it was kinda cool this week. She said, it's prayer over preference. God's will for the church is that we seek to hear what he wants to do together and take up the keys of the kingdom and use them. Listen, leaders will often be the ones that carry vision, but we are not the sole carriers. And right now there's too much of a gulf between pastors and congregation and we've got to come together. If we're going to live sent, we're going to have to do it together. We have to listen together to hear what he wants to do and when he wants to do it. To bind and loose as a church together, to use the key with authority, with childlike humbleness. Church, God doesn't let us use the keys when the church is divided because that means we're listening to the wrong voice. So often the church doesn't pick up the keys or have power behind the keys because we don't recognize Christ is among us. And when we don't recognize him, what do we do? We don't live or act like he's with us. And when we don't recognize him, We have no passion, no fire, no direction. And I think that's why in Matthew, he said, hey, where two or three or more are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst. I think he knew that we'd be together and we'd say things and do things and not realize he is in our midst. He says, hey, I know how you'll forget. Don't forget, I'm with you. You need to recognize. See, God wants us to recognize Jesus in the midst of us. I think he knew we'd get together and miss the point. You see, without fire, there is no gospel. Jesus will release his glory on those who have learned to seek his face together. And that glory will transform us. In Acts 4.13, it's the coolest verse. I love it. Acts 4.13 says, When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished. And I love this part because this is the key to everything, they took note that these men had been with who? Jesus. When we recognize Jesus, he changes a weak, beggarly people to full-on, armored-up warriors of God. Listen, some of you might be offended by me saying this, but Peter and John weren't impressive. We look from this point vantage point, and we say, oh man, they're pretty impressive, but they smelled like fish. The people around them were confounded. How could these things be happening? It's because they had the scent of Christ on them. They were ordinary men. I hate to break it to you, but we're not that special here. We're just ordinary men and women. We aren't impressive, but he is. Jesus is impressive. When God is in the midst of whatever activity we are doing, the world will see Jesus, not us. Are we showing Jesus? Or are we just flexing and posing, doing this stuff? Because you can already tell from my body, I don't need to be flexing and posing, right? See, the Bible says if we think we're something, we're really nothing. Breakthrough happens with Jesus because everywhere Jesus is, his kingdom is breaking through. The problem is we often don't realize Christ is in our midst. Listen, if Jesus physically appeared right now, you'd hit the floor. That humdrum worship, then we came in, It wouldn't be happening. It would be on. Jesus, with fiery eyes and long hair and a sword coming out of his mouth, we'd hit the deck and worship him in spirit and truth. And all else would fade away. But let me let you in on a secret. He doesn't have to physically be here, he is here. Catch the fire. Jesus is here with us, he's a living savior of a living church, not a cold, dead church. There's nothing cold about Jesus. Let me say it again. There is nothing cold about our Jesus. His will is that his church is fiery hot. A fish will have the same temperature as the water in which it swims. Too many Christians are like fish. They're swimming in the cold water of the world. They have no warmth of spirit than the cold, unbelieving world around them. We need the fire of God as a church. Daniel says there's literally a river of fire flowing from his throne. What is that fire? It's his presence. It's the angels that are so close to him saying, holy, 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 and they're on fire. They're not created that way. They're on fire because the closer they get to his presence, they can't help but catch the fire of God. Our God is a consuming fire. That's our God that we serve. And there is nothing cold about Jesus, and there should be nothing cold about his church. We need the fire of God as a church. I want to swim in those waters. I want to get into that water. I want to get into the presence of God. Guys, he sends us out, not as cold fish, but with live coals from the altar, as witnesses of a living Savior. He is alive. Are we? Are we ambassadors releasing God's legislation Kingdom solution on earthly problems. So let's get on God's agenda. So here's what I want. Go ahead and write this down. I want you guys praying this every day. Every day until we have this family meeting, you need to be praying these three things. Pray that God will do something God's size that only he can do. Pray about what God wants to do with our church, his agenda. Pray about what God wants to do at the hub in Highland City. I don't know if it was a couple units in our Experiencing God study, but God talks about, is your church, or Henry Blackaby talks about, is your church a praying church? And for three years, it's been on my heart that we become a praying church, a praying church. And I remember in that moment, I was praying about that and God, it was just the spirit of God just was on me. And I felt like he was telling me this because I started praying about what, you know, we could do all these great things at the hub and in Highland City. Because when I've done this study, the God-sized thing that God has done in this church is he bought that house. We got that house. It was a miracle. It was paid off in two weeks or less. God is already doing great things there. But tell, I'll be honest with you. When I'm on my knees praying about it, I'm like, God, we could do this, we could do that. I mean, I got a lot of ideas. And I felt at this moment, God was like, you need to put yourself on pause, Brian. Brian. And what I want you to do is I want you to start praying about my agenda. In fact, Brian, I want you to call the people of this church to seek my face and ask what I want to do in Highland City with that God-sized thing I did with your church. And so if you want to be a part of that, I call it active praying. We're not just going to pray and, you know, and then that's it. We're going to pray and think about what God wants us to do and discuss it and pray about it some more because God has a special plan for us. If you want to do that, come see me or write on your connection card to be a part of that. God's got some awesome things for us. TBA. God has given us the keys. Now, what are we going to do with him? Let me pray. Lord, I just thank you that you're our God. You're the God of this church. Jesus Christ, you are the head of the church. You are the one that rose from the grave. You're a living savior. There is nothing cold about you. You are the Lord Jesus who endured the shame of the cross, who pressed on for the great war that was by the Father's side. At the very right hand of God, you are of majesty. And I praise you. Father, I'm asking you to lead this church, God, as we do something we've never done, as we begin to come together as the body of Christ and we start to say, what does God want for our church? As we pray together, give us that childlike humility, Father. Open our hearts to obedience and to walk with you, Father. God, you are able. Lord, your scriptures say that it's you who works in us to will and act according to your good purpose. Now, Father, we trust that promise that you're doing that. So, Father, I pray for your anointing that spreads from your very head, for you are Messiah to the body, that we work out of that anointing that already is in us, as 1 John says. It teaches us everything. And God, your people would rise up. And God, that we begin to be mature for the assignments you're giving us. Lord, I thank you for all you're doing today. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Let's stand together and let's sing. Let's worship a living Savior. If you're like me, sometimes you walk in this place and you come in and it's the humdrum worship and we forget that God is already here when you showed up. Let's worship our living, risen Savior. He is worthy of our praise.